All right. Well, uh, we want to continue um, again in this time of um, uh, prayer. Our, one of our core values is prayer and how important prayer is in our lives. And we've talked about it in a lot of different ways and aspects. And, and um, prayer is something that um, when I spoke before I left for Las Cruces, I think it was three weeks ago, we talked about prayer is hard because it's spiritual warfare. That prayer is powerful, that when you're praying, you're engaging in the supernatural, you're declaring things, you're, you're asking God to intervene in ways that, that might not be able to be seen physically, although many times it does manifest physically, but that it's a supernatural fight. Apostle Paul talks about not fighting against uh, uh, rulers and powers and, 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 and basically people of flesh on this earth. It's actually principalities and, uh, and, and, and wars in the heavenlies. And so our prayers are like that. And, uh, and now I want to talk about um, prayer is intimacy with God. Your prayer life is a reflection of your intimacy with God. Now, guys, before you check out, hang on there. All right, all the men in the room. Because I know, like when I hear the word intimacy, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm, I'm like the one-handed hug person. You know what I'm talking about? How do you know what I'm talking about? You know, it's like... It's like, I'm close. Now, Tommy, Tommy grabs you both arms, doesn't care if you hug him with one hand or not, and he picks you up. And he's got the muscles to do it. He almost broke my ribs one time, I swear. Um, but anyway, it's that MMA, you get both underhooks and you just, yeah, all right. But, but um, you know, I, guys, intimacy is not as... Um, uh, lovey, feely, dovey, as you, as you think it is. And I, and I think that, that actually as men, we need to break the, um, the shame and the, what we might think as embarrassment to talk about being intimate. Because oftentimes we build walls about being intimate because we, we don't like people to get beyond our walls, beyond our barriers, because we feel that if we do that, we'll be vulnerable and we'll get hurt, or we don't want people to see how we really are. So we build a framework, a personality, a uh, exterior that keeps people at a distance. And so I, I, I wanna encourage you men that suspend that judgment for now and allow us to talk about the intimacy that we can have with God. Now, intimacy uh, is, uh, can mean uh, many things. Um, some of the synonyms of intimacy, I wanna read to you right now. Belonging, closeness, familiarity, inseparability, and nearness. Webster def definition says this, marked by a warm friendship develop developing through long association. One of, one of my friends, when he was preaching, he, he uh, used this definition. I'm sure he stole it from someone else, and so I stole it from him. But, uh, and I have, a, I have a, a picture of it. And, and one way you could talk, talk about intimacy is this. Into me see, or you see. Into me see. What does it mean to be intimate? It means to allow God to actually see who you really are, to actually uh, be vulnerable with him, to be open and honest with him. I often say, and I'll keep saying it, honesty is the doorway to encountering him. If you can lay down all your judgments and lay down all your, your hesitations and just present God the way you are, you know, instead of always putting your best foot forward, just showing all the faith you have, it's okay to show God your doubts too. It's okay to say, God, I'm struggling in this area. You're gonna have to help me. Because until you do that, he can't help you. He's gonna try, 
But the problem is if you're not being honest, if you're, if you're creating a wall, there's a separation between you and him. And so it's important. Uh, if, if you look up on Strong's def- definition, there's a, a little definition for intimacy. It says, close relationships are part of God's will for human life. Scripture speaks of intimate relationships between Jesus Christ and the Father, between God and his people, and between various individuals. When it comes to God and prayer, we're not shooting for perfection. We're actually shooting for closeness. This is what it means to be near to God. It's not for you to clean up your life and then come to him. Because God knows your life is just too messed up. Mine too. The reality is, is that we need to come close to God. That's the goal we're shooting for, to draw near to him. Uh, uh, a story that came out just, uh, I think it was last week, it's been going viral throughout all the Christian websites, and it's, um, it's this man who is a founder of the South African Satanist Church. There's a, the, the, uh, uh, there is a Satanist church in South Africa, there's a Satanist church probably in every state, every city, you know, every country, they're not as visible. Um, and uh, sometimes they're Satanists in the way that they're anti-religion, but oftentimes they're Satanists in the way that they're just uh, into new age and into the things that are uh, opposite of God. And, um, and so this man uh, went on a tour throughout the South Africa nation and uh, did radio interviews and all these sorts of interviews. And, um, and he's, one testimony said is that when I was done one of the interviews, uh, this lady came up to me and I, I, I uh, uh, boldly proclaimed that I do not believe in Jesus Christ. And uh, this lady came up to me afterwards who worked at the radio station and gave me the biggest hug that I've ever received in my life with such love. I just, I, it, it, it broke him and it, and it, and it shocked him. And, and she said, I'm a Christian and I love you. And, uh, and so he, he then met with his leaders after he was done his tour and uh, they, uh, they, they talked about the, you know, how great his tour was and getting the word out. And, uh, and they, they talked about how the uh, South African Satanist church is, was actually growing. And, um, and he, he said it, it really was. And then after that meeting, he actually went to perform a ritual to gain more power. He went to do this thing that he believed would give him more power in the supernatural, more power in in the satanic church. And while he's doing this ritual, Jesus appears to him. And so he's looking at it and and he says to, uh, Jesus appears to him and he doesn't believe it. He says, prove to me that you're real and that you're Jesus Christ. And he said, in a moment, this love poured into him and he starts weeping that he could never describe before and he experienced pure love for the first time in his life and it converted him. And now he's not a Satanist. He's a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus wants to be near to you. God wants to be near to you and it has to manifest in your prayer life. Hebrews eleven six, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. What you must trust God most for right now is where he means for you to draw closer to him. Faith pleases him. 
And a manifestation of that faith is diligently seeking him. Now, when we talk about intimacy, one of the main things about intimacy is trust. Trust is at the heart of intimacy. The more we trust someone, the closer we let them get to us. The degree to which trust is compromised in a relationship is the degree in which intimacy evaporates. Have you ever been with a, a friend before and, and you, know, you have friends that you really enjoy being around, but you know, there hasn't been a history of trust yet. And so because there hasn't been a history of trust, the intimacy or the closeness or nearness you and your friend will have will be limited because you don't have a history with them. You're not spending as much time with them, maybe. Maybe you love to like go bowling or whatever. I don't know who loves bowling, but I mean, it's the easiest sport on the world. It's probably the laziest sport. I mean, it's the only sport that the ball comes back to you. Come on, the ball comes back to you. And there's a hand dryer. That proves that bowling is a lazy sport. They let children do it. They put bumpers, I, 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 sorry God, I'm just. But maybe you're, you're, bowling is what you do when you run out of things to do. Okay, all right, I'm just gonna say, it's like you've been to the movies, you went to dinner, you're doing a, and, and you don't know what else to do with your friends, and they go, you wanna go bowling? Like, yeah, let's go bowling, all right, okay, all right, I'm done, I'm done, okay. So anyway, come back, Holy Spirit, come on, come back. So, so obviously bowling is a very limited trust with someone, but, as you build history, as you're praying, as you're seeking God's face, as you're, as you're, as you're maybe drawing cl uh, closer to a friend because you go through uh, great joys together and you go through great lows together, intimacy starts to build. You start to let them see into your life and you start to see into their life. When they hang out and they're only wearing sweatpants, you know they're close. Or actually, the youth wear sweatpants as a, as a dress-up item right now. I, I can't get, I asked um, Ethan one time, I said, I saw one of the youth just wearing sweatpants. Are they, are they poor? Is there, is there, can we help them out? And he said, no way. He says, those probably cost $50, $60. They, 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 they want to look like that. I said, oh, okay. Anyway. You are all longing for intimacy, whether you re realize it or not. You're longing to know and to be known. You're all longing for it. Many of you might be in denial about it, but intimacy is something that you're all longing for. And the lack of intimacy increases the loneliness in your life. And some of us are too okay with being that lonely. We've gotten used to it. We forget what it's like, or maybe we never experienced what it's like to actually be really that close to the Lord. And prayer is going to draw you into that place. Loneliness is an antonym of intimacy. It's the opposite of intimacy. Distance, the opposite of closeness. You can be around someone and not be close. 
Have you ever been around someone for years and really never go deeper than surface level? Am I the only one? You can be in a marriage and your intimacy level might be really low. You could have marital relations and you can have uh, surface conversations, but when you don't actually reveal and actually be transparent with your spouse and speak into their life and hear about how, how, how they can speak into your life, there can be a lack of intimacy, and so you can be in a marriage covenant and be alone. And I've been around a lot of couples uh, who've, who've, who are working through that, and, and we pray that they can get to the place where intimacy is built through trust, and obviously through the number two thing, which is also a number one thing, communication. You can't have intimacy without communication. Communication is necessary for you to be uh, close to someone, which means prayer, which is communication to God, is necessary. I don't know if you ever heard this uh, joke, but if you've ever locked out of your house, just Talk gently and clearly to the lock because remember, communication is key. <laughs> Sorry, for all the dads out there, there's your dad joke. One guy said, I like having conversations with kids. Grown-ups never ask me what my third favorite reptile is. <laughs> thought that was cute. So prayer is drawing close or intimacy with God. Mark 135, I'll give you all a chance to get up there. Okay, good. And rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. This is Jesus who models what it is to live heaven on earth. This is Jesus who is the son of God, fully divine and fully man. Now, if anyone doesn't need a prayer life, I would think Jesus wouldn't. But even he, Jesus Christ, modeled and demonstrated and in quiet knew that he needed to be with the Father. Why? Because prayer is a reflection of intimacy with God. And so Jesus, and, and look, we've talked about this in some of my messages or, or maybe some other messages where we practice you know, the presence of God daily, that we're, we're, we, can, we can be in constant communion with God while we're working, while we're you know, running, while we're uh, uh, driving, while we're doing other things. And that's, that's something that we, as a skill we require, but it doesn't replace the alone, quiet time with the Lord. And what did Jesus do to get that time? He did what I hate most. He woke up early. While it was still dark. There's something wrong about that. I struggle. I struggle with like daylight savings when it's like, you know, you wake up and it's dark and you go to work and especially in the job I used to have and I'd be in the office all day and by the time I left it was dark. It's not very, uh, not very fun, but but prayer and getting alone and having that intimate relationship with Christ is gonna cost you something. And for you to think that it shouldn't cost you anything is really naive. Some of us might need to get up a little early 
and drink a cup of coffee before the kids get up. Listen, I'm preaching to myself right now. Find a quiet place and get on my knees. Francis Chan, I remember him telling a story where he, he, has, a, he, he has nine kids in his house. I'm catching up to him, but he has nine. <laughs> and uh, a lot of them are adopted. And, in, and so he has a small home. So what he did was he built a shed in his backyard, a little shed, and he would put a seat in there and he would pray because he just needed to get away that desolate place. Listen, if there's a lacking of intimacy with you and God right now, and you're trying to do this daily communion thing while you're going throughout your day, that's great. And if you want to see a, a real improvement, get alone with the Lord. Start out with 30 minutes. Just try 30 minutes. And I don't expect for you to have 30 minutes of quality time with God. If you're just starting out Spend 30 minutes, and if you walk away with two minutes of quality time with God, that's a victory. Don't sacrifice that time because you think you don't have enough quality, because the quality will build where you'll have 30 minutes or an hour, and the, quality, uh, the quantity is 30 minutes or an hour, and the quality will match the quantity eventually. But many of us need to practice that muscle, that prayer muscle. Obviously, it's activated by faith because we, we are praying to God. But some of us are struggling because it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen Lost, not Lost, um, the one with Tom Hanks and he's on an island and it's Castaway. Well, you guys are movie buffs, all right. And he has this, you know, he's so longing for communication. He's so longing for intimacy that he finds a volleyball and named it Wilson and painted a little face on it. And Wilson was with him on the island the whole time. And what a sad image that that person or Tom Hanks had to go through or this fake scenario, whatever it is, because he could have been talking to a real God the whole time. But it's gonna take some work. Maybe you'll feel like a fool for a little bit, but talk through it. I've been encouraging our staff to journal as we pray. Ask God questions. Some of us think that prayer is just a talking to him and not doing anything else. Just, God, I need this, I need this, I want this, I need this, I want this, please help with it, please help, please help. That's not just prayer. That's a part of prayer. Prayer is actually asking God, God questions and hearing from him. And what's great about it is journaling. Some questions we ask God is like, God, what is getting in the way of putting you priority in my life right now? Just ask him that question and wait. See what he says. Some things might pop in your mind. Some things might, you know, resonate with you and you're just like, oh, wow. Golf, golf can't be a wrong priority, God. <laughs> I don't think that was him. Let me just, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, if you don't know, ask your wife. It's a great person to reflect with. Or your husband. She'd be like, oh yeah, finally God, I've been praying God to tell you golf is a wrong priority in your life. Who needs to walk away for four to five hours and do that? It's the opposite of bowling. Just kidding. See how I brought it around there? 
John 17, three, this is Jesus praying, and he says to the, to the Father, he says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now this word know, that's right there in that first verse, is not speaking of a theoretical or academic knowledge of the Father. This word know speaks of close personal relationship. Of course you need to know about God, you need to read his word, please read your word. Christians, they say that we don't, not this church, but other churches, most Christians don't read their Bible, but please read it to know about him. But there's this other thing about knowing him, and this is of close relationship. How does that happen? Through prayer. Bill Johnson has this, I'm gonna read a few quotes for you here. He says, royalty is my identity. Servanthood is my assignment. And intimacy with God is my life source. If you ever feel like you're going on fumes and you're trying all these other things and you haven't tried constant communion with God, a constant daily prayer life. Try it. Popular pastor who also listens to many different people's problems, his, uh, his favorite uh, question to them is, how's that working for you? Because they try everything but God. So I just wanna propose to you, all the things that you're trying to fix in your life without God in it, how's that working for you? Oswald Chambers writes this, he says, solitude with God repairs the damage done by the fret and noise and clamor of the world. Matthew 7, 22 through 24 says, and on that day, many will say to me, this is the scariest verse in the Bible, by the way. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many signs, works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man built, who built his house on the rock. Now listen, I believe revival is coming. I believe there's a move of God that's coming throughout America but in the world, but especially in our city, in our state. And if we're not ready, You'll be able to prophesy. You'll be able to have a gift from God that's without repentance. You know what a gift means, a gift of God, like the gift of, of, of prophecy and healing and words of knowledge and discernment and all those things. You know what the, the, the actual original Greek is? Is basically, they're called grace gifts. They're gracelets. No one deserves them. You get them whether you deserve it or not. So you could be in a revival and God can be moving powerfully and you can do signs, wonders, you can pray over the sick, but if you don't know him, if you don't truly spend time with him and actually know him as your savior, your father, and, and spend time with the Lord. That's gonna be a problem. It's that important. And I read that's, I, I used to read that verse and just glazed right over it because it just convicted me too much. But there it is, staring us in the face. 
You can do signs and wonders. That's why I say, God, I'm praying for revival, and at the same time, and said, just hold on a little bit longer. We're not ready yet. God, I want you to move, but we need to be ready because I want us to be strong, prayed-up prayer warriors who have a close relationship with God that when God is moving, we celebrate that and he can use us, but we're disciplined. We have spiritual disciplines that can carry us through all the trauma, all the, not trauma, all the drama that goes on in revival. I know many of pastors, staff members, uh, congregation people who've been through moves of revival where God was moving powerfully, and then five years later, they're, they're not even serving the Lord because they were enjoying the move of God without having a discipline of having a relationship with him. And so I'm just, I'm like, God, I want everyone to have this relationship with you. And I want them to discipline, to position their heart to say, okay, I'm gonna work on this. I'm gonna just try and let him come meet you. All right, we're almost done here, guys. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. To fall in love with God, this is uh, uh, Augustine, a quote from Augustine, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance, to seek him the greatest adventure, to find him the greatest human achievement. I just can't say enough how important it is to seek him to find him. And, I, and again, I, I wanna just, and I know this isn't a men's conference, but men, be vulnerable with God. Share him all your disappointments. Share him your disappointments with how you grew up. Share with him your disappointments with your current situation. Share with him your doubts. Share with him. The, the, the key phrase here is share with him. Because vulnerability and trust is something that is lacking in a lot of men today and it's crippling our nation because we're, we end up becoming interior and not focused on sharing the love of God, fathering the, the people of this city and we just wanna live our own little life, you know? And so an overflow, and, and this is the, the reason why we go from presence to prayer to transformation to evangelism, because an overflow of your love and communion with God is that he transformed you, and you can't stop but tell people about it. Nothing can stop you but tell people about Jesus because of what he did in your life. Why don't you stand? Worship was powerful this morning. It was so good to be in his presence. It's like sweet, sweet honey. But I want you to know, you don't have to just wait till Sunday morning to experience that. You can do that every day. You can get on your knees, you can lay on your bed, you can walk in the park and just give it all to him and talk to him. So I wanna pray for you corporately. And Father, I just thank you for your grace. That's so much grace for our lives. Lord, I thank you that you're patient right now and that you're waiting for us to come into daily communion with you. Lord, I pray that you would convict us, me, my family, this church, this city, 
continually get away, get alone and be with you to build our prayer muscle to be intimate with you. Lord, may you break the deception that seems to be telling us that we can do this without daily prayer. Would you break that off our lives? Lord, if we haven't been drawing close to you, I know it's not too late. Forgive us and we wanna just come back. I thank you that we can just start afresh and that we don't have to wait to get better to see you. We see you and then get better. So Lord, I thank you for this church, these families, everyone represented here. God, I just pray that you would use them to share the love of God to everyone in Albuquerque and in New Mexico. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, I just wanna let you know that I love you so much and I'm so honored to be your lead pastor. And um, if you want prayer this morning, we have people who can pray for you. Please come forward. And if you need prayer for healing in your body, prayer for financial needs, prayer for just, you're just going through something, you want someone to stand with you, come forward and we will pray with you. Other than that, have an amazing week and we will see you next week, all right? Take care, guys. Bless you.